Support for OPB comes from our members and from our sponsors, like Tracy Ray from the employment law firm of Baron Lehman. Tracy says that OPB sponsorship is a great way to support the community and connect with Baron Liebman's clients. From the Gert Boyle Studio at OPB, this is Think Out Loud. I'm Dave Miller. Mothers who use fentanyl, meth, or other drugs during their pregnancies can give birth to babies who have to spend weeks in the hospital. But the challenges can linger long after that. This is what led a registered nurse in Spokane to create Maddie's Place. It's a nursery that provides around-the-clock care for drug-exposed babies. The facility opened in Spokane about a year and a half ago. It's one of only a handful of places in the country that also allows a parent in recovery to stay at the same location. Trisha Hughes is the founder and clinical director of Maddie's Place. She joins us now along with Mary Potter, a mother in recovery who's been staying at Maddie's Place with her nearly five-month-old son. Welcome to both of you. Thank you so much for having us and for calling attention to this issue. Appreciate it. Well, Trisha, to, to start with you, can you give us a sense for what the babies at Maddie's Place are dealing with physically, especially I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about when they arrive? Absolutely. Um, I haven't personally gone through withdrawal, but um, I have worked with adults in withdrawal um, in an inpatient facility, and they describe it as feeling like their nerves are on fire. Um, and just like they want to crawl out of their skin. Well, if you watch our babies, you can imagine that they're feeling the same way. Um, they tremor, they vomit a lot. Um, they have diarrhea that eats their skin. So they end up with really raw and sore diaper rashes. Um, a lot of them struggle to eat. Um, they can't coordinate their suck, swallow, and breathe. They start losing weight. Uh, a lot of them end up with a uh, tube in their nose to their stomach to um, give them enough calories because at the same time, they're burning a lot of calories uh, with their physical reaction to withdrawal. Um, they tend to be hypertonic, so very tight and all pulled in, kind of grasping at themselves sometimes and pinching their own skin, um, or hypotonic, where they just um, are kind of limp and checked out. They can't tolerate light often. They can't look at you and you're, they can't make eye contact. Um, that's just too overstimulating for their brain. Um, they don't, and they don't tolerate noise and sometimes not even touch very well. It's an overwhelming everything you just described is is um it's it's really hard to hear and it seems like an an overwhelming um medical challenge I, I'm wondering how the care that you can provide for babies recovering from prenatal drug exposure at your facility how it's different from what they might get at a hospital NICU neonatal intensive care unit um yeah we have created an environment here that is very home-like. Um, the common area feels like a living room and it's um, um, outfitted like a living room. And then um, we have dim lights, quiet, everything about the design of the space that the babies are in was intentional. Um, from not having a bathroom off the main area so that a door wouldn't be opening and closing all the time um, to uh, nothing that beeps out loud. Our fire alarms are set to flash only in the nursery spaces. Every single detail in those spaces was designed to keep it low stimulations that we aren't 
overwhelming these babies that are already overwhelmed by their bodies. So um, we've created this quiet, dimly lit, comfortable space uh, with a lot of staff. And I've specifically trained all our staff in how to handle our babies um, based on research and experience together um, so that we don't cause more overstimulation again. And we recognize when they are not doing well and we can actually we can go into their room and shut the door um if we need to remove even more stimuli from their environment we can so what that results in um, is a lower need for medication in the hospitals this kind of um, reaction is often treated with morphine um, and uh, when the baby's not withdrawing from opiates, mo morphine isn't going to help. So if it's not fentanyl or um, any other opiate, uh, it's just methamphetamine or cocaine, we're seeing more of that, um, then they honestly don't get anything from the hospitals, just maybe some feeding support, which we can absolutely do here. So our environment coupled with the amount of staff that we have and um the way that we are we are trained to only handle babies who are in withdrawal creates um, just a pretty great space for them to withdraw but be supported and every cry attended to, which is so important for attachment at the most early days and weeks. If if you took in a baby at this point without any information about them, a, a circumstance I, I hope it would never happen, but I'm just curious. And, and you didn't say have a tox screen to know what was in their system. Do you mm -hmm. think at this point you'd be able to tell what drugs they had been exposed to? It's likely. Uh, you you definitely see different reactions from opiates as compared to stimulants, but there's so many other things that are often used in combination, including um, marijuana, alcohol, nicotine, um, even SSRIs, common antidepressants, can cause um, and also exacerbate some withdrawal symptoms. So um, we wouldn't know exactly. I used to think that it was really important to know exactly what they were exposed to so that we could handle them exactly the right way. But there are so many um, influences on how the baby's going to respond that really what we I always say to my staff, be an expert on the baby before you. So what we would do is watch that baby attend to them obviously we're 24-hour care and so we adapt our care based on what the baby is showing us they need from us hmm. mary potter I want, I want to turn to you i understand you've been at maddie's place with your son since october how old was he when you arrived um he was a month a little over a month when you when we arrived here how did you hear about Maddie's Place? So um, I heard about Maddie's Place from Sacred Heart because my son was there in the NICU. What was um, what were his early weeks like? In the NICU or at yeah, Maddie's place? in, in the, NICU? In the NICU when he when he was born. Um, when he was born, he was. Well, he, we were in uh, Moses Lake. I, he was born in Moses Lake, Washington, and we had a rough birth. So he had to get life flighted to uh, Sacred Heart. And when he was there, he they had, um, I was on methadone, so he had methadone in his system. So they had him on morphine and colonopin. 
And so he was um, like hard to console, I guess, you know, like he just seemed to always get so upset and he wouldn't eat. He had a feeding tube. So, yeah, I don't know what else to say, but. And wh- where were you and, and what was going on in, in, in your life um, in, in those weeks after he was born when he was still at the NICU at the hospital? I was staying at Ronald McDonald House, which is um, a place for families when their babies are in the NICU. And I would go visit him, go, go visit him like every time he would eat. So because normally when when they're in the hospital, they'll pick them up to, to feed them, change their diaper, and then they put them back down so they can sleep. So they would let me come in and do his cares, like change his diaper, feed him. And then they didn't want me to like either hold him and put, they just wanted him to be able to get a good sleep, like laying down in the crib. So, or you holding him for like several hours and not putting him down. So, but I was visiting him for like multiple times a day just so he could get used to me being there, you know. And then at a certain point, um, he was ready to to leave the NICU, and you made the decision to go to Maddie's place. Why? Yeah. Because they told me about Maddie's place and said I would be a perfect fit for Maddie's place. So that's why I went, because I had nowhere else to go. And they said that Zachariah... Because Zachariah was still in the feeding tube, and if I would have taken him home to eat Freda, I wouldn't have been very confident about because I didn't really know how to do it. So he would probably start losing weight or something would have happened. So we decided to go to Maddie's place because they had staff there that knew how to do the feeding tube and could help me take care of Zachariah because this is all new to me because my two daughters that I had got taken away at birth. So I never got to raise them because I was on drugs, but this is all new to me. So this is the perfect place for me so I can get help with knowing how to take care of Zachariah or knowing what to do for him, you know? Just so I understand. So so you had you had two children before, but um, but both of them were taken away as soon as they were born by the state because yes. you were still actively using drugs. Yes, correct. Did you know how to change a diaper before Zachariah, your your baby, was born? Um, no, but when I was in the, the NICU, I would just watch what the the, um, the the what nurse would do, and then I at first I was very slow at it. <laughs> But now that I've been here at Maggie's place and I keep I'm doing it over and over and over again, I've gotten really fast at it. <laughs> hmm. What do you think was different for you about this pregnancy or, or this birth and the two before? Why, if I understand correctly, you were already on methadone um, when when Zachariah, your son, was born. What was different this time? Um, I think that what was different this time is that um, God gave me another chance to have another baby. 
So I just told myself that I'm going to do whatever it takes in order to keep him, no matter what, how hard, no matter whatever I have to do in order to be his mom, I will do. So that's what I did. I just went to treatment and have stayed sober since. I have 11 months clean and sober. So I just, I don't know, I just figured that God gave me another chance to have another kid. So I will be there for him no matter what. If you're just tuning in, we're talking right now about the youngest victims of the drug crisis, babies who are born with fentanyl or other opioids or meth or other drugs in their systems. Trisha Hughes is the founder and clinical director of Maddie's Place. It's a nursery that provides around-the-clock care for drug-exposed babies and their parents as well at times. Mary Potter is one of those parents, a mother in recovery who's been staying at Maddie's Place with her now five-month-old since October. Trisha, um, how common is it for people who are pregnant to get methadone? Well, it's less common than um, we would like, um, but also problematic. So first of all, Mary, I just want to say I wish you could see my face when you were talking about that. I, um, I'm just beaming with pride. Um, so proud of you and so grateful for the opportunity to watch you grow. It's been amazing. Thank you. Um, so methadone um, is a drug used for, it's a you know, manufactured drug, an FDA-approved drug um, used to treat opiate addiction. Um, fortunately, it's a full opiate, so it acts just like heroin on um, opiate receptors in the body. Um, so while it serves the purpose of helping moms avoid um, fentanyl or um, whatever opiates they can get on the streets, um, unfortunately, babies still withdraw and quite severely from methadone. Um, it's, it's manufactured, so it's a little bit different than heroin, um, and it has a very long half-life, which means that it stays around in the baby's body for a very long time. So some, honestly, some of the hardest withdrawals we see for our babies are from methadone and Subutex, which is another medication that is used for, um, opiate, uh, addiction treatment. And, um, that fact is not well communicated to moms, unfortunately. I don't think Mary had any idea to expect some withdrawal from her son. Um, she was doing the right thing. She went to treatment while she was pregnant, which is not easy to find. There's, I think, two places in our state that will do that and um, actually take a mom, a pregnant woman from um, opiates to medication-assisted treatment with methadone or Subutex, only two in our whole state. Um, and then they're not really prepared for what their baby will experience when, um, when they're born. So it's, it's unfortunate that, uh, it's great that they're getting treatment. There's not enough of it available. It's also unfortunate that they're not prepared for, um, the birth and, and what their baby will experience when they're born. Hmm. Trisha, um, I mentioned in my intro that uh, I've learned that, it's first of all, it's not particularly common for there to be uh, centers like yours that that do this exact work. Nurseries that, that focus on on babies um, who are are born 
with with drugs in their system and to, to focus on the very specific needs of this population. But it's even more rare for these centers to also take in parents in the way that you do. Why? Yeah. What's the thinking behind it? Well, um, I'm not really sure, honestly. Um, I know that the nurseries um, that are operating, all of us struggle for funding. Um, babies, exposed babies have historically been treated in the NICU and then just sent either home with grandparents into foster care, um, wherever. And then um, unfortunately, the latent phase of withdrawal for a baby is six to eight months. And the neonatologists and staff that care for babies in the hospitals don't get to see them, these babies on the other side. So there's a, a um, a lack of awareness of the experience of these babies, the rates of readmission to the hospital, the risk of, um, you know, failure to thrive, unfortunately, um, non-accidental trauma, lot of complications and risk to the babies after they're treated at the hospital and discharged. So um, there's been a lack of um, recognition and willingness to support this kind of care from um, Medicaid, quite honestly. So um, we're all struggling for funding, struggling for um, kind of recognition for what we do. And um, on top of that, there's very poor data um, on how many of these babies are actually born uh, every year in the whole country. N no state has good data on the amount of babies that are born needing our care. Hmm. So that makes it even harder <laughs> to prove our case that it, that we're needed. Um, Mary, do you, I mean, from your own experience, people you know, people you've heard about, do you have a, just a sense for how common it is for babies to be born um, to, to mothers who are actively using meth or fentanyl or other drugs? Um, yes, yeah, it's very common for babies to be born drug, drug addicted. Um, I, that's what I think, you know, because a lot of people in Moses Lake, are, they get their babies taken away because they're born addicted to drugs. And over there, there's nothing, there's no treatments, there's nothing over there. So half the time, people just end up losing their, turning their rights, signing their rights over. As you noted, that, that which is what happened to you twice. Yes, correct. Hmm. Um, Tricia, you mentioned that there is a major gap in data right now. Um, my understanding is a team of researchers from Washington State University, they're going to be spending a year studying your center. What exactly are, will they be studying and, and what are you hoping will come from that? Um, we are hoping really our biggest goal is to just show the numbers. Um, for example, this, the percentage that the CDC states, uh, percentage of drug-affected newborns equates to um, 36 babies a year in the Spokane area, according to our birth rate here. Well, we admitted um, almost 60 babies last year, and we know that we weren't getting even a fraction of the babies that were born that could have used our care. 
So it's just largely out of touch um, with what's really going on. And we're hopeful that WSU will be able to shine some light on that. Um, we also are, they're going to be looking at our outcomes, but on a very high level because the story, the study has been somewhat truncated due to contract issues with the healthcare authority in the state of Washington. So we're just planning to dump as much data as we can to them. Um, we're not really sure how much they'll be able to put in a meaningful um, sort of uh, presentation, but our, our hope is that they're able to show that this kind of care results in more families together, more babies able to attach and connect, um, as that's a huge issue with, with our population of babies, um, and uh, just shine a light on the uh, incidents, number of babies that are actually experiencing this. Hmm. Trisha, my understanding is that the name Maddie's Place came from uh, a baby that you took in as a foster child a number of years ago now, um, who she herself was drug exposed. How is she doing today? Yeah, she's 15. <laughs> and um, she, I will say, I have five adopted children who are all exposed prenatally, and um, she is the most emotionally intelligent of all of them. Um, she's the baby we received at the youngest age, so she was 16 days old when she came to, to our house, um, but was in terrible opiate withdrawal as her mom had continued to use um, all the way up to birth and then lived on the streets of Spokane for the first 16 days of her life. So um, she was just honestly a hot mess when I when we received her. Um, and I was told that mom didn't use during their pregnancy, so I had to figure out what was going on and um, convince the social worker to demand mom to find out what, what, was, what she was using. And um, I... The process of caring for her, I missed a lot of life that first year with her. Um, she would only sleep in a Moby wrap on my chest. Um, if I was in an environment that got, you know, above a quiet din, she would just absolutely spin out, start screaming and tremoring. And um, we, ha I'd have to tuck her back in the Moby and leave. Um, so... I learned by just figuring it out how to care for her, but she was my eighth child and I'd been a labor and delivery nurse um, and attended at least 300 births by that point in my life. So I had a lot of experience to draw on and a lot of, um, you know, I had medical knowledge to pull into it, a lot of resources and connections and I just figured it out. But I realized that not everyone who's raising these babies has that and I just, had this burning desire, she sort of lit this fire in me to spread this information and help people and help these babies so that we address these early days and weeks um, with them. The first 60 days of life are just absolutely foundational for relationship and development for our babies. And if they are in pain and uh, their brains and their bodies are on fire, we are not setting a very good um, foundation for them. So I'm just passionate about that now. And Maddie's doing great. She struggles in school a little bit, but that's to be expected, honestly. Um, she's just sweet and kind, and um, there's not a person who knows her who wouldn't say that about her. <laughs> Mary Potter, we just have less than a minute left, but what are your hopes for your son's life? 
to have a mom that can take care of him and for him to not use drugs or, you know, struggle with anything. Mary Potter and Trisha Hughes, thanks very much. Thank you. Thank you so much. Trisha Hughes is a registered nurse, the founder and clinical director of Maddie's Place in Spokane. Mary Potter is a mother in recovery, staying at Maddie's Place along with her five-month-old son. Monday in the show, Elaine Community College librarian recently received an I Love My Librarian Award from the American Library Association. She's one of only 10 recipients around the country. We'll talk with her about the joys and the challenges of her work. Thanks very much for tuning in to Think Out Loud on OPB and KLCC this week. I'm Dave Miller. Have a great weekend. Think Out Loud is supported by Stephen Jan Oliva, the Rose E. Tucker Charitable Trust, Michael, Kristen, Andrew Kern, and Anna Sanford. Mm-hmm.